good evening, everybody, and welcome once again to another of our primetime podcasts. Having completed a fairly lengthy series about why we believe what we believe, we're spending some time now in individual topics that are not necessarily part of a series, but they're certainly part of some broader some broader concerns, and many of them are how do we apply biblical principles to our lives today. The last couple of weeks were reworked versions of older podcasts. They weren't entirely reruns, but nonetheless, they dealt with things like how we should approach uh, music, particularly with some of the, I think, misinformation that's out there. And so that was on one Sunday. Another one was just reminding us of a few things about discussion of the end times. There are some people that are almost obsessed with the end times, and they, they can't get enough of it. No matter how much they read or hear people talk about it or watch different video clips they can find on the internet. And the problem with that is that, of course, the internet is open to both the very credible as well as the absolute crackpot. <laughs> and the thing that's unfortunate is sometimes, unless you have the right background, in other words, unless you know why you believe what you believe, it's hard to tell the difference between the really credible teacher and the crackpot. Now, what I want to talk about tonight is a another topical study. And as I said, we're going to have a number of these through the summer. It seems like a good time to do some of those. What does the Bible say about fill in the blank? That kind of a series. Well, tonight I'm going to talk about one that is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me to talk about. It's something that we need to at least have a kind of an overview on because we see it a lot in the news today. For a long time, there has been the issue of attraction between two people of the same gender, different aspects of homosexuality. And I'm not specifically speaking to that tonight. Uh, I may do that in another podcast. A related issue, but not completely a separate issue, is now the much broader spectrum of what is called LGBTQ, the whole matter of transgenderism, or sometimes called gender identity dysphoria. It is a very sensitive topic and something that we have to go into it with the right attitude. If we go into it automatically, with an attitude that is one of uh, anger, spite, disdain. Satan already has us right where he wants us. You say, Jim, are you saying that people who are embracing transgendered lifestyles or same-sex relationships or anything, are you saying they're not sinning? Don't go putting words in my mouth. Of course, they are sinning. The Bible says so. And so do you and I sin when we have inappropriate thoughts. And you say, well, isn't their sin worse than ours? Well, it's another topic for another day. But the point is, is that we have to approach this whole discussion, first of all, with the idea that these are people who are hurting. They don't realize that they're hurting. They've been misled at some point, perhaps by other people. And perhaps they've ended up here because of damage that they've lived with for a long time. Emotional and perhaps psychological, spiritual damage. I don't know. I can't answer that. But what I'm saying is, first of all, 
approach this with the idea of you love the sinner and you hate the sin because that is how God approaches us. So this, this is a very important first step. Now, let's talk about the, the subject itself. The thing that we have to understand is that we don't totally understand it. It is very possible that individuals who are listening to my voice, people who have grown up in very conservative traditional churches, for example, have wrestled with this issue, not how they should respond to it. They've wrestled with it within themselves, but they won't admit it. And I understand that, that they wouldn't admit that, because they're ashamed. Here's the thing, is that, remember, the sin is not first having the thought. The sin is following it, is giving into it. That's one that I think we all know, and yet at the same time, we all have to remind each other of that. When it comes to attraction of someone to, of the same gender, homosexuality is something that there are many people have admitted at some point they've struggled with it. My understanding of it is that it is far more common for women to struggle with it because the men who have, they've been in relationships with in their life treated them so poorly that the men were such jerks. And it really didn't start out as something that was physical. It was just more of an emotional connection with another woman. I don't defend it, but at the same time, it's something that we have to look at and just kind of say to ourselves, yes, unfortunately, one of the real problems of today is that the men in our world today have just totally dropped the ball on a lot of things. Even Christian men. I might add especially Christian men because they should be the examples. And so there's plenty of sin to go around is what I'm saying. As we approach what I'm going to talk to you about for perhaps the next oh, 20, 20 plus minutes or so, please keep in mind that these are, we're talking about people who are God's creation. And yes, they've fallen into sin, of course. Let's not deny that. At the same time, let's not deny that all of us have fallen into sin. And were it not for God's grace, we might have the same struggles that they do. So let's put our judgmental attitude not only in the back seat, but let's throw it out the window. And let's really hear how we should consider this issue and what we can do other than obviously pray. And here's why I would add that. Every one of us knows somebody who we either know to be or suspect to be somewhere on that whole LGBTQ spectrum. And they may be someone we've known for a long time. They may be someone we consider to be a friend. And folks who are struggling with that need friends. They need Christian friends. Not to tell them it's okay, don't worry about it, but to tell them God loves you and there is help. There is help. One of the biggest barriers to people who wrestle with these issues in their life, one of the biggest barriers of them coming to a Christian saving faith is that they're being, they've been treated so meanly by people who profess to be born-again Christians. We need to seek to treat them like Christ did when the woman was brought to him after being caught in the act of adultery. You've heard me carry on quite a bit about it shows you something about the nature of that society then and unfortunately sometimes our society today too. 
<laughs> the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, wasn't alone. Somebody was with her. For some reason, the man that was with her isn't viewed as being caught in the act of adultery. That's what sin does, even in very conservative elements. Somehow or another, it's always the woman's fault. You know that I've rejected that completely. And in churches where that's been the de facto practice, even though they didn't intend it that way, those churches need to face it and they need to change that. All that being said, let's, let's talk about this issue. We always need to be praying for God's grace, don't we? And people say to me, oh, Jim, that makes you sound like a liberal. And I say, no, that makes me sound like what Jesus did. Because remember, he was far more critical of those Pharisees, and we should be far more critical of their modern-day equivalents today. And we should truly love somebody who is struggling with a sinful lifestyle, but we can tell they want help. And the Holy Spirit works wonders with people who want help. So not only pray for them, but pray for yourselves so that we can hear this topic and its partner podcast that is yet to come just about the general issue of same-sex attraction. I'm talking about it because it's a big issue today, but we know perfectly well it's not new. It was a big issue back then in biblical days too. It's just much more aggressive in its promotion today. All right, the issue of transsexualism, sometimes known as transgenderism, uh, gender identity disorder, all these other things. It's when someone gets a feeling that their, their biological um, gender from birth does not match the gender they identify with or that they perceive themselves to be. They often describe themselves as being trapped in a body that doesn't match their true gender. This has been hitting schools lately. I remember a couple of years ago, Oh, two, probably three years ago, Terry and I were judging the state-level solo and ensemble. It was down in Cadillac. It was on a Saturday. And the person who was the chairperson for, the, for my performance room was a, a band director at one of the schools that sent students there. It was somebody who I have known long enough, and I, I know that they are a fellow believer, a very conservative fellow Christian. And that director, a woman came to me and said, we got a problem. And I said, okay, what is it? And what she pointed out is that the event that I was about to hear for the next performance was entered under the name, I'm going to make up a name here, Joe Smith. But the name that the student now is going under is Susan Smith. Between district festival and state festival, about a period of six weeks or so, the student changed their identity. He changed his identity from male to female. And they said, what are you going to do about this? <laughs> I said, well, I'm not going to do anything about it. There's a student here to perform. I'm going to listen to them play. If the festival headquarters wants to address this issue, that's up to them. Did I pass the buck? Yes. Did I follow the rules of the festival? Absolutely. But also, that wasn't the time or the place, now was it? Here's a student that wants to have me hear them play, and I did just that. Now, let's talk about this. I am not aware of anywhere 
where the Bible mentions transgender ideas or someone having those feelings. That could be a new, deeper level of depravity that has come about today, but it could also be something that for some reason wasn't specifically addressed in Scripture. But the Bible has a lot to say about the issues of our gender, right down to in creation. Genesis 1.27, pretty well-known passage. Let's see the load here. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Let's not be um, uh, inappropriate about this, but there are two genders. And the reason why there are two genders is not only was it God's design, but it was not just for procreation of the race, although it certainly was that. But he designed it in a way um, for those two genders to enjoy that, but he also put a limit on it. It's within a specific relationship, a marital committed relationship of one man and one woman. We have to have our correct understanding of this first before we start even attempting to address this outside of that. So even Genesis speaks specifically that it's a binary choice. You're either male or you're female. Now people will say, well, you know, there are both hormones. There's testosterone and there's estrogen and, you know, both genders have both hormones. Well, yes, we do. And as time has passed and over the several thousand years since the fall into sin, more and more imperfections are in our our genetic codes and all of those things, and that's why sometimes people are born with a little more of a one hormone than they should have. This is going to happen just like there are other things that we are born with. You say, oh, Jim, you're telling me they were born gay. <laughs> what I am saying is that they were born the way that they were born but we all have things that we're born with. That doesn't mean that we give in to them. I mean, people can say Bill Clinton said that he was born with a problem in controlling himself. And so does that mean it was okay he was born that way? Obviously, even the liberal branches of Christianity say, no, of course not. Well, then we shouldn't say that it's okay on this matter either. We are born male and female. We're created male and female. I'm not aware of any concept in the Bible that suggests that there is a fluidness where people can declare they go from one to the other. The closest thing that it really comes to condemning or even mentioning that would be the condemnations of homosexuality that are found in Romans 1, verse 18 to 32, in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10, and in Deuteronomy 22, 5. The Greek word that's translated very often as things like homosexual offenders or male prostitutes can also be translated as effeminate men. So the Bible isn't specifically mentioning the transgender issue. That doesn't mean it's okay. It just means that sometimes we get stretching and wrapping scripture a little too far. Now, let's talk about the matter of gender distortion I mentioned it can have a genetic, it can have a hormonal, it can, I suppose, have a psychological basis, but it can have a spiritual basis. And I do believe that 
God is the healer of all things, but one of the things that he does do is if there is a particular challenge that somebody has, the Holy Spirit is also able to help us in coping with and dealing with that. Now, I'm a little bit leery of some of the um, techniques that have been used in the past, whether they be in the Pentecostal movements, the pray it away movement, and say, okay, my tendency to be attracted to people of the same gender, I'm going to pray it away. That is true. However, remember, it is also very true that God often works through other people as part of his plan. There is a place for proper, well-trained biblical counseling. And where it's necessary and appropriate, there's also a place for, um, for people to have some of the medications that can be absolute godsends to some people. It is the misuse of things that creates so many, so many problems. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, different terms here, okay? You hear the term transgender. It means a person who feels that their biological gender doesn't match their identity. They say, okay, I was born male, but for some reason, I just feel so much more like the feelings and the emotions that a woman would have, or vice versa, the other way around. Another is gender fluid, a person who feels that their identity changes over time. At some points, they feel more like a woman, and at some points, they feel more like a man. Here's another one called non-binary, gender queer. This is their term, not ours. I'm actually very surprised they've ever agreed to the use of the Q, the word queer, because their effort is to normalize what they feel. That's a person who feels that his or her gender identity doesn't even align with, with any level of male or female. And then there's called gender dysphoria. That's a state of anxiety and often depression caused by feeling that one's gender identity doesn't match one's birth gender. Very sensitive subject. Of course, there are surgeries that people have done to try to change their gender and then with medications and hormones that they have to take the rest of their life. Some adaptations can be made to some of their features, uh, including issues like a man's facial hair can be made to be far less, um, just any number of different things. It is possible through surgery to make many of those changes, but the problem is that you're still trying to correct something that is not totally correctable. It is the result of our fallen world. And it is the result of sin, not specifically that person's sin, because if they discovered this as they were growing up, there's something else that has happened along the way, and there could be other factors. What I'm saying is that, well, what they want to do is sin. Many of them did not ask for this problem. And so how do we respond to that? Well, I'm reading from a commentary here, and they have the same habit that I have, the use of always saying three lenses. <laughs> so here we go. Three lenses through which the culture views the condition of transgenderism. One would be a view that is trying to be consistent with what the Bible says. This is the view that says God created them male and female, somebody who 
represents something other than that is sin. That is deliberate sin. Now we say that is an identity and we should say it in love. We should not say it in a matter of spite. Because remember, one of the problems that we have as people is we're great at pointing out everyone else's sin while ignoring our own. So we need to be careful. But I think that is a biblical view. The second lens that some people will look at it as is the one that say it's a disability. It's, it's a form of an illness that's caused by the fall and the continued deterioration of God's creation. I have just spoken of that a few moments ago. And that um, if somebody acts on this disability, however, then they are committing sin. So that's a variation of the first view, but the last one would be more of the liberal view. And that's the one that says, well, man is still evolving. We need to have an evolving view of Scripture. Maybe this wasn't an issue in biblical times. We know that that's not the case. But they will say, perhaps it wasn't an issue in biblical times, and perhaps we need to just be a little bit more open-minded about this. Those are basically the three views that you hear out there. Some people will, that last view, they will voice that very intensely. And that's what you're seeing right now on the news. You're seeing the, the loudest voices, the most strident voices, speak uh, in favor of the idea of acceptance. Now, a biblical viewpoint would incorporate elements of the first two. And at the third aspect, it would recognize that there are certain things that, as fellow believers, we need to do to seek to be helpful and encouraging to those who are wrestling with this and wanting to not be there, to not have that, and praying that the Holy Spirit will bring them a sense of relief and a sense of help. And that help might come simply through the power of God, and it might come through the power of the gifts that he's given us today through combination of modern medical science and appropriate, well-trained, credible Christian counseling. When it comes to this whole matter of how do we deal with this if somebody that we love tells us that they're wrestling with this, well, how would you deal with it if somebody that you loved told you that they were wrestling with pornography? or if they were wrestling with alcohol and you didn't know that they were? How would you deal with this if somebody told you that they were wrestling with gambling? Any of those things. My guess is that you, to different degrees, would respond to those differently than you do to this. I think it's because those, at least to some elements, you can appreciate that it's easier to fall to those. In our case, most of us have never faced this directly. But there are many people that have been there. I've never been there. And that is because of the grace of God, not because I'm so good. I guess what I'm saying is our attitude about this. We need to be informed about something, but we need to not fall into the following statement. How many times have you heard this? The Bible says that Adam and Eve were the first beings. It does not say Adam and Steve. Have you heard people say that? And people laugh and giggle and snicker. And 
The problem with that is that it takes a situation that we are fully acknowledging as being sin and now belittles the people who are wrestling with that. It throws a barrier up to reaching them. Yes, God hates sin. And quite honestly, we know that he also loves sinners. Now, I know that what I'm describing here sounds like I'm kind of walking all over the issue because I don't know where to come down on it other than what I have said. Be praying for those who wrestle with this. Be praying for those whose families struggle with this. And be praying for yourselves that your attitude will be truly hate the sin but love the sinner. When Jesus said to the woman, go now and sin no more, the sin no more is the part that the liberals today forget about. Jesus didn't say it's okay, it's cool, don't worry about it. But as conservatives, sometimes we aren't careful. We forget the go now. Because she was brought to him by the Pharisees because they wanted to see what he would say. And he didn't tell them it wasn't sin. He just wasn't going to play their game because he knew that they had all committed the same thing. In other words, when you point the finger at someone else, look where the other three fingers are pointing, you say, well, yes, Jim, but I've never had that problem. Well, perhaps you haven't, and praise God and thank God for that. What I'm really getting at is that our attitude about this is such a key. And I wrestle with it, too. It's a foreign concept to me. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to, that I'm not going to try to explain to us what a biblical worldview would say about how to address this. Acknowledge that issues of same-sex attraction and all the transgender movement and everything else that's going on today, those are sin. Let's not attempt to say it's not. But at the same time, give people hope. Pray for them. Let them know you do love them. Have them know that God loves them. Pray that the Holy Spirit is going to help them, including help them to accept help. Because there is help that is available. Some of it is directly from God, and some of it is God often working through other people, like very well-trained Christian counselors, and where appropriate, some of the miracles of modern medicine can help, particularly medications. This is such a difficult issue, I could not really bring myself to speak about this on a Sunday morning. But I thought it was appropriate for a Sunday night podcast. I'm going to ask you to pray about this. That's the best advice that I can offer on this. Other than be careful of stuff that you find on the internet. On YouTube, for example. There's a lot of good stuff on there, but there's a lot of absolute junk. They'll let anyone on there. Even me, through this podcast. Let's pray. Lord, help us with this difficult, challenging issue. Help us to always ask what honors you. Help us to always look in the mirror to recognize that while we may not personally have this struggle, we have others. We are sinners saved by your grace, and were it not for your grace, we might have some of these same struggles. Let us to pray for these individuals. 
And we just ask, Lord, that you would move mightily, move mightily in our nation and throughout the world, that there would be a great revival and that people would come to realize the wrongness of their ways and that you would give them the strength and the desire to find the way back and you would bring the right people alongside them along that walk back and that it would all be to your glory and to your glory alone. We ask this in your holy name, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening. Very sensitive topic. I hope that I've at least helped to give us a few lenses to look at it through. Have a great week, folks. God bless you. Thank you.